Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Welcome in. It is draft week in Nashville, and it is a pleasure to be on site as we inch toward first round coverage tomorrow night with Marty Baran and Brian Duff, and of course rounds two through seven on Thursday here in Nashville. And Marty, you are ready to offer up a little curve yeah, a little right baseball, off the hop. A little curveball here, maybe a slider, changeup, sweeper, uh, knuckle curve, whatever you want to call There's so many different pitches now. You used to have only three or four. A um, couple of things. First of all, I'm really proud of myself, Duffer, that I have my natural voice today because last year in Montreal, mm -hmm. I was in Montreal for like 12 hours yep. and I had lost my voice. <laughs> and I was very responsible last night. Yes. I was in bed very early. Actually beat you back to the hotel. You did. But the reason why I think I beat you back to the hotel is you disappeared. You and your good buddy. Uh, yeah, Kevin Kennedy, Kevin South Kennedy. Buffalo Zone. Yeah. 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 You guys were supposed to. Maybe go and get refreshments yes. and return as we're watching Brothers Osborne. Yes. And they put on a great show down in front on Broadway. They did. And then never to return. What happened? Well, what happened is I was the plus one in the equation. So I had no control over what happens when you are the tag along with a VIP. Now, Kevin clearly established himself as a VIP when he, he lived in Buffalo. Yes. And he has clearly retained that title here in Nashville because he knows everyone within the entertainment industry. Once we got our VIP passes and got inside the tent, there was no way out. There was minimal communication. I did direct that communication towards our producer, Michelle, and whether she conveyed the information to you is, is well beyond my uh, scope at this point in time. you guys were sitting at a table having some food, uh, yes. and that's the extent of the conversation <laughs> that I was able to, to gather. So All I know um, is we weren't there long. By the time we were out, you were gone. Then communication effectively ended for the next two hours, <laughs> only until I ran into <laughs> most of our crew at 8.30 in the lobby. 8.30, can you believe that, on a Monday night? It was 9.30 in... Eastern. It's late. Oh, good point. Not that, that hour late. makes a big difference. I'll tell well, you what this, happened. Though. What may have happened, what may have happened, is that we might have been at Legends early enough in the day that the, end of, that the end of the night came quicker. It was 3.45 when we ended up <laughs> showing up at Legends on the corner. And for those that have been to Nashville, you know that as soon as you get through, you know, we're, our hotel is just a block off of Broadway, so we walked on to Broadway. The uh, Bridgestones uh, Arena, is yeah, that what it's, it's called? Yeah, it's Kitty Corner. It's, it's you know, right there to Legends the and the stage, of course, NHL oh. setup was right there as well. Beautiful. As they had Broadway blocked off at that end. It was it was a really good setup, a really good awards night, obviously, for anybody that watched. I think uh, the most of the feedback I'm seeing was, was pretty positive. I think, um, you know, ultimately when you're looking at it from a purely Sabres standpoint, Owen Power comes in third in Calder Trophy voting. Tage Thompson's terrific season yes. netted him a lot of votes. He finished 14th in Hart Trophy balloting. Uh, Don Granato was 16th in Jack Adams. And maybe <laughs> the least talked about but most interesting was Buffalo had three Lady Bing candidates. Oh. Victor Olofsson ended up tied for 37th in voting, wow. which is understandable. I think Victor clearly exhibits the qualities of a Lady Bing winner, which just happened to be yes. one of my favorites in Anje Kopitar for a second time. Alex Tuck was 39th. Yes. Who the heck voted for Jeff Skinner <laughs> for the Lady Bing? Do you understand the concept of the award, people? 
Oh, my goodness. This I, man never stops. He's relentless on opponents, which is not particularly sportsmanlike, and he's just as unkind at times to the officials. So I don't know how you get Lady Bing votes. Well, is he you, nice? Does he have a nice smile? Of course he, he does. He uses the words weasel a lot, <laughs> and he calls everybody little weasel all over the ice. And maybe that voter thinks that it is a compliment, oh that he's gosh. very complimentative to all the players on the ice by calling them weasels. As oh, open man. mics now are very prevalent in the NHL. Every hot mics. Sports, hot, hot, mics. Mics, hot mics. We hear them live on TV. You can always hear Jeff Skinner barking and complaining and arguing with the other team, which is great. I love it because it there's energy and it's fun. And if you're sitting right by the benches at Key Bank Center or anywhere in the NHL and you see Jeff Skinner, he is the price of admission just for that alone. Uh -huh. He can do so many things on the ice. But, yes, the fact that Jeff Skinner got a fifth-place vote for the Lady Bang. No. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that yeah, is yeah. a um, uh, probably <laughs> that's, as that's unexpected even... <laughs> as, okay, so this or that duffer. Okay, we need to find out who voted for Jeff Skinner uh -huh. as a, a, and gave him a fifth-place vote. So that means you're looking at, okay, I'm going to put Anze Kopitar one. I'm going to put maybe Braden Point and Jack Hughes two and three. And, yes. Uh, and maybe Joe Pavelski four, right, because Pavelski's such a good guy. Okay. And then, oh, I'm going to put Jeff Skinner fifth. That's like the process that it comes to mind. And I'm like, how do you come up to Jeff Skinner fifth? But So this or that, which is more wrong? If we could use that in, in, in that. good English. That Jeff Skinner got a fifth place vote for the Lady Bing. Or that Connor McDavid got a fifth place vote for the Hart Trophy. Okay, I'm going with that on that one. Okay, Connor McDavid, out of 196 voters for the Hart Trophy, the MVP, best player in the league, got 195th, 195 first place votes. Zero second place, zero third, zero fourth, and one fifth place vote. I need to know who that writer is. We need to find out. That writer, by the way, voted for David Pasternak to be first in mm -hmm. hard voting. So I need to know if that writer's from Boston. I need to know if that, like, I need to know the, the, the uh, professional writer. And what are you going writer. to do with that information when you acquire it? I'm going to go and talk to that person. Okay. And then we'll have, maybe we'll invite that person on Sabres on Live, Sabres Live. Yes. which we'll have a lot of guests here. By the way, people, we are in Nashville, so that's why we're talking about. But it is beautiful here. The fans are great. We ran into a, a fellow from Buffalo who actually works Yeah, it took down you 30 seconds to stop and do a photo op on the corner of Broadway outside of Bridgestone Arena. It was unbelievable. But and, this, of course, as always, I get, you know, reeled into the photo op. So well, I'm just guilty by association. Is are, that what you we call are it? Duo. No, we're, we're a duo. duo. But uh, this, this gentleman... Um, actually is from Buffalo, yeah, but yeah. works down in... And he's big on eSports. He's calling action today on the championship. So, so. it was awesome. Uh, ran into so many people, like hockey jerseys from everywhere. Oh, you know what else? So. Uh, this or that, because it ties in with the uh, reaction, whether it was in person or on social, after I posted uh, the picture that Kevin had a group take. Yeah. Uh, this or that, did you hate my shirt or not last night? I liked your shirt. Okay. Because you were really quiet about it, so I was I was. I like your hat better, okay? Uh, because those are I was wearing a a, a Jenny Light T-shirt out on Broadway. Um, the duo, the duo, folks, uh, did its best to represent uh, New York yesterday. Rochester's uh, yeah, own Western I New York. came out of the hotel. Marty had his Jenny T-shirt on, and I had my Jenny cap on, and of course that was unexpected, but. Uh, it was a talking point nonetheless. But you know what, Marty? It feels like days and days and days and days and days since we've actually had a full-on NHL overview, 
regroup, yes. catch-up session, if you will. Oh, yeah, Whether we're notes. talking Taylor Hall to Chicago or Jersey to Arizona, even our, you know, uh, well down the goalie depth chart, Connor Ingram, like here's a kid who's battled and had some real tough moments, um, you know, it, to his credit, has been really open about the challenge, um, you know, mentally, to, to get back to a place where he can he can do his job the right way. I mean, Connor Ingram getting a three-year deal is such a nice yep. story in Arizona. Jordan Stahl's deal, the St. Louis-Philly deal that wasn't, the potential for L.A. Winnipeg, Ryan Johansson to Colorado, Nick Foligno signing with Chicago after his rights were acquired yesterday. Ottawa Aiden coaching Hill. staff remaining, pardon me? Aiden Hill Aiden Hill Vegas. still, yeah. Like, there, there is so much right now we ran into coley campbell senior vp hockey operations yes. with you know uh, great discussion on and off like kind of fragmented there he kept coming back to where we were he prepping was telling us great stories about roger uh, well so roger yeah Nilsen so here's, and, here's a real uh, quick one we're 20 years removed from the first ever draft here in nashville yes and that was in 2003 and former sabers coach hall of fame coach slash builder in the nhl the late yeah. roger Nielsen passed away this week 20 years ago yes and I started approaching the story with Colin Campbell this morning that, Coley, I remember when the draft was happening and Roger passed away, and I was told immediately that Roger, and I couldn't even finish the sentence, goes, and, and Coley goes, Roger hated the draft. Yes. So it was, it was fitting that uh, if, if there's ever a time to uh, leave this earth, Roger decided to exit Before, amid, amidst the draft yeah. that he absolutely loathed going to as a Coach, so. But also, this is so great to be on location because, as you say, like we're walking around the hotel, running to David Poyle. That was the longtime oh. general manager of the yeah. Nashville Predators. He's now exiting as that job. Uh, and uh, very uh, trust. Effective could, immediately June effective, 30th. Yeah, exactly. So it's another <laughs> few days that he is the general manager of and the only general manager in the history of the Nashville Predators. Yeah. And they've done such a great things. I remember coming into Nashville. And saying, like, what are we going to do today? Like, you either go to a bar and you sit and listen to live music, but there was nothing to do. This area of downtown Nashville in the last 20 years has developed so much. Uh -huh. And it's so busy and so alive. And it's so great. But David Poyle, with the hockey team, right here uh -huh. at the corner of Broadway where everything happens, yeah. uh, has done so much. So run into David Poyle earlier this morning and came over and obviously talked to us for a few minutes. Uh -huh. So that is great. Colin Campbell telling us the great Roger Nielsen stories about and how he always wanted the, the video well, done after well, the game. Well, Captain Video, that was Roger's Roger nickname. Would, and he was would show up at the rink at 5 a.m. to review the video after every game and um, how they hired John Cristiano as oh, a video coach. And obviously one of our favorite Buffalonians. Buffalonian so. and, and JC was an assistant coach when I was in Rochester and worked long time as a scout and video mm -hmm. coordinator with the Buffalo Sabres. So it's just that that world, that hockey world, like when you're in the same location, there is there's not six degree of separation. There's yeah. one degree of separation between everybody. And it's just fun. So uh, it's so great to have you with us here. We've got extended coverage each of the next three days uh, today, 11 to one tomorrow, 11 to one. Sorry. These are local times yep. for you listening. 12 to 2, 12 to 2, 12 to 2. That's a good catch. It only took see if I'd stayed out two hours later last night, I wouldn't have even noticed I made that mistake. Yes. But um, and of course, we'll have our draft night coverage on our social channels and streaming um, with Chris Baker along again as an analyst. And yesterday's show was so impressive to watch Chris yep. go through, you know, kind of methodically why the 12 picks 
in front of Buffalo, picking 13th, are you know could potentially fall that way based on team needs. And yet, when Chris got to the point of saying to us that he viewed Axel Sandin Pelica as a, a very possible target for the Sabers, that's only at now we value his yep. opinion the most because we've 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 come to just respect greatly all the work that he puts in, but he, also his his interconnection with the Sabres and his understanding of where the franchise is. Yeah, it's not a, just a, a prospect just guy a that just puts yeah. a number. He, he puts in the Sabres' uh, past history, where they have drafted from, what type of players they like, and he tries to put it together. So when he With put, projections of where... The top 12 was going to go and too. Where, but where the organization is at, at and the yes. Amherst and the prospects. And so there's a lot of thought behind it. So he, sure. he lands on Sandine Pelica, and yet... As we inch closer, and now, what, 20, I don't know, let's say 32 hours away, is that, is that about right as far as when the Sabres will make their pick? Something, somewhere in that effect. Yeah. Um, you're looking at all the other draft experts, mock drafts, established news organizations, whether it's a, an actual mock draft or an end-of-season yeah. ranking yeah. slash list. You're looking right now at like a quick perusal by me this morning, you're looking at Benson, Danielson, Moore, Wood, Simashev, um, Barlow, Ritchie, and then repetitive, you know, Moore and Wood over and over a few times. There, this is a very wide net to catch all in and around where the Sabres are picking at 13. And this is a draft where the Sabres have one first-round pick as opposed to last year when they had three. They'll come out of the shoot tomorrow with picks pretty quick at 39 and 45, followed by picks at 86, 109, 141, 173, and 205, pending any further deals. So I suspect that Well, that's what it is because right now they sit at 13. And look, there's a possibility that maybe Buffalo ends up being in the mix for a transaction, a trade, and maybe that 13th overall pick ends up being in the trade. Maybe you're getting a late first rounder. Maybe you're moving up in the draft, and all of a sudden you're in the top 10 just because of the way that chips may fall. Uh, But also maybe you end up with an extra first rounder. Maybe you're trading something away at this moment and, and, you know, to just gather more assets and move on. Now, this is not the direction I believe the Sabres would go where they're at in their development in their season, but um, anything could happen. So, yes, we're sitting here, and tomorrow we'll, we'll be at Bridgestone Arena. We will do our, you know, reaction, live reaction show after the 13th pick. But if something happens, we are on, boom. You, 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 you know, snap your fingers, Duffer. We're on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and we're ready to talk about whatever's happening in Sabres world. So um, I don't expect any movement with the 13th pick, nope. but you never know what can happen. Well, I mean, again, that, that goes back to what else is happening around them. Um, and apologies if to kind of, you know, we came out a little hot here with information overload, <laughs> but it, do, it does feel like well, you're, that's where we are. You're, yeah, but you're, you're trying to catch up here on everything because we, we concentrated solely yesterday on the Baker's dozen and how the draft may fall. And now we kind of take a breath and reset and it's, incredible when you think of the teams that you know as we sit right now don't have first round picks and and oh. we're, we're talking nine nine teams and, yes. and then we're, we're talking the seven teams that have multiple. eight pardon me eight teams that have multiple including yep. st louis
but how long is St. Louis going to sit there with three? Are they going to end up with four? Are they going to end up with two? Oh, is, 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 right. Is the Falk situation oh. actually going to play out where the talks that were ignited over the weekend? Tory oh, Krug. Sorry, Krug. Tory Krug, yes. um, um, You know, if, if Krug does come around and opt to waive his no trade and go to Philadelphia – like this is a this is a major deal. Hayes moves on from Philadelphia. Um, first round picks involved, and you know, but is is and and or is anything going to top? Like, would that be the would that be one of the biggest trades this week? Or if Dubois ends up going from Winnipeg to LA, is that the biggest deal? Yeah. Or is yesterday's very I'm assuming very uncomfortable for our. Sabres oh. listening audience to deal with deal that saw Boston rid itself of a big salary for nothing, which gives them great flexibility to do whatever they want to do. Like Taylor Hall's on the move to Chicago, and even though it was quote unquote just the rights to Nick Felino, who's a UFA, could have signed anywhere, Nick Felino might emerge from this draft as the biggest winner individually or team wide. Oh. I I mean, we love well, Nick as one of the Boston. greatest humans that has ever graced this sport. And I'm not saying that flippantly. Like, you can't get a better character person than that Nick. That whole family, but yes. Correct. That's why, right? It, 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 they're all woven together. And yet, Nick lands in Chicago where Connor Bedard will end up tomorrow. And Nick gets one year, $4 million, because we know the Hawks need to get to a good well, place near the floor. So, not only that, they give Nick Foligno $4 million, but I'm pretty sure they said, listen, I want you to get a big house yeah. with a, a, an apartment or an in-law apartment or something, and then Connor Bedard's going to live with you. So we're giving you an extra $2 million here, Nick, so that you can get B- big city the, right, the, right, <laughs> the right set up for your family, yeah. but consider Connor Bedard probably moving in with you. That happens a lot around the NHL. John Tavares, Matt Molson living with Doug Waite when I was with the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. We remember Jack Eichel moving in with Matt Molson, who returned a favor when he was in Buffalo. So um, those things happen a lot. So, yes, Nick Foligno obviously goes from Boston, which was the best team in the National Hockey League last year in the regular season, historically the most successful uh, season in the NHL when it comes to points and wins. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, I, we can have the debate of the Montreal Canadiens and, and uh, the Detroit Red Wings and whatnot, but uh, Boston with the, the wins and the points were tops. Now, the other part of that, as you just mentioned, is Chicago acquiring Taylor Hall. $6 million, one year left, mm-hmm. right? Um, no salary retained by the Boston Bruins. Why right. is that significant? So we have been talking over the last few weeks here how i felt that boston was in trouble boston still has to possibly sign patrice bergeron who just won another selkie by the way mm-hmm. if he wants to return he's not going anywhere else he's coming back to boston they need money for him they may need money for david Krejci. who knows what's going to happen with david Krejci? they may need, may need money for um tyler bertuzzi who they traded for at the deadline mm-hmm. and are maybe looking to extend them or offer him a contract. Teller Bertuzzi is going to want some money. And they also need money for Jeremy Swayman, the goaltender uh, that was the backup to Lena Solmark this year. But I, it's not so much he's not a backup goaltender. He's the type of goaltender that right now is behind the Vesna Trophy winning goaltender, Lena Solmark, who captured the Vesna last night. But Swayman could be a number one goaltender anywhere else. Swayman is a restricted free agent and could go and fetch an offer sheet 
if he wanted to and raise his salary up. But Boston had about $4 million left under the cap to do everything I just talked about. Mm -hmm. A team could have easily come and offered $5 million a year to Jeremy Swayman on an offer sheet, negotiated with the player and the agent, agreed to terms, and all of a sudden Boston can't do anything about it. They can't sign the player. They don't have the room, especially if they want to re-sign Bergeron and whatever. But now they trade Taylor House yeah. contract away. And they have $10.5 million now. Yeah. And they have 10% in the summertime that they can use. So $10.5 million plus another 8.5, they have now $19 million of money that they can spend this summer and then just got to be cap compliant before the season starts. That is huge for the Boston Bruins to have that, that breeding room. And I'm upset. I am upset at the Chicago Blackhawks for allowing themselves to say, hey, we'll help you out, Boston. Mm -hmm. We will get you out of the, the mud, right? Like, teams should not be so willing to help each other out like that. I feel like you're echoing my sentiments there. I, and and, I've but never... I, I'm, I really believe it, unless you're getting something fantastic. Well, I don't are the see Hawks how... getting something fantastic? No, because they could have got Nick Foligno on July 1. No, no, but Foligno has Hall? nothing to do with this. Taylor Hall? Taylor Hall is what's significant, right? I don't think that that's... I don't know. I, if I'm I might Chicago, be playing devil's if I, advocate. Okay, but. if I'm Chicago, and I'm... Yeah, exactly. Maybe you're playing devil's advocate. If I'm Chicago, and I get a call from Boston, and Boston says, listen, uh, you know, we see that you guys have to get to the floor. You're obviously in a different situation. Um, how would you be interested in Taylor Hall? We have to find a way to get rid of some salary, and we will make Taylor Hall available. Okay. I want Taylor Hall and a second-round pick. Mm -hmm. I want Taylor Hall and a first-round pick. Ask for something mm -hmm. that is going to make you, like, worth your while. Right now, you acquired Taylor Hall and the right to Nick Foligno, who is going to be a UFA on July 1, and you send two prospects over to Boston just because you had to get rid of a couple of contracts. There was nothing. Ben Chicago did not get anything from that. Mm -hmm. And they, they needed to get something. What do you mean? They got Taylor Hall. You don't exactly. think he'll... Don't you think he'll play well with uh, Bedard? Maybe so, but is Taylor Hall a $6 million player? Is no. Taylor Hall, no, I, like, get yeah. something else. Get a, get a second-round pick. That's all I'm asking. I'm like, make, make it sound like at least you think that it's better for your organization that you were able to get something. Boston would have done it. I mean, come on, Boston had to do it unless, yeah, they don't, well, you know what, they couldn't have done a second-round pick. Correct. They don't have a second-round pick this year. They don't pick until the third round. Right. But get a third-round pick this year. Get something. It, it, that's all I'm saying. Boston, um, New York, Edmonton, Tampa, Florida, L.A., Ottawa, Jersey, Dallas, teams that don't have first-round picks. Um, speaking of. Yeah. See this? What do you call that? That's a uh, pick. That's a pick. That's a guitar that's pick. That's what Boston does not have in the first they round. They sell those all around town. Uh, it didn't have to be sold. It might have been part of the VIP tent. Oh, well, I see night. you got yeah. something. I saw for $1 you can buy a guitar <laughs> pick at the coffee shop downstairs. Yeah, I, they are everywhere. Picks are everywhere this week, and that's why we're here for the draft. Um, I'm, I'm with you, honestly. I, I, Could you buy an NHL pick for a dollar? Probably not. No, but what did you did you take a pick with the uh, NHL traffic lights outside of Bridgestone Arena? Yeah, last I night? did not take a pick, but yeah, that's another thing that Nashville they they look at every details. 
Uh, first of all, the weather is fantastic. A little hot, but it's going to be like 100 plus with the sun mm-hmm. and the humidity. So, uh, but great. And then at Broadway, at the corner of Broadway, the, the traffic lights, the red was the N, the yellow was the H, yep. and the green was the L. So they all have NHL written on all the traffic lights. Which and is, then the advanced uh, light columns were like a, the, a play stop, button pause and a pause. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop yeah. is the red, pause is the yellow, and play yeah. is the green, which yeah. is... Which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. You know. All right. Um, so we have lots of guests coming up here over the next three days. And, of course, yes. our live reaction social uh, platforms tomorrow night. Um, Mike Kelly from SportLogic is going to join us a little NHL bit NHL Network, SportsLogic. Yeah. Mike Kelly, you guys see him a lot if you watch NHL Network. Yeah, and I think uh, it, Post it, games, he does a lot of recap, and he's done a lot of pre, uh, pre-game stuff, too. He's great. But I think it really ties in nicely with um, what we presented in our draft episodes on social. And that was, you know, talking to Jerry Fortin, yep. Sabres head scout, and just – and and honestly, Kevin Adams and Jerry Fortin have been available to the you know local Buffalo media here, and Kevin will be available again later today um, to a, a presumably a wider scope of media. But just talking about the evolution of how the amateur scouting side gains from more information and analytics. So I'm really curious to have Mike on and just you know kind of see it through his eyes because he's probably gone through the same process and development. Yeah like hockey team scouting departments have come as far as what information you can trust about players that are not yet in the NHL and how that helps ultimately in projections, which is what this week is all about. So when I was playing junior hockey, my goalie coach would have a book like the one that I have in front of me, just a notebook, and he would do himself lines, and one line would be shots against, right? And one line would be goals against, and one line would be chances against. And then the fourth line would be, Save percentage, mm-hmm. and then save percentage on chances. His thought was if you could save one of – if you can – if you give up a goal one every five scoring chance, you were in the elite or above average. And if you give up a goal one every four scoring chances, you were below. Mm-hmm. That's how – elementary like the numbers were <laughs> that and is I'm the right word that like is 28 29 the, yeah. years ago like yeah. 95 like it was a notebook a pen and he drew himself his own lines mm-hmm. and he watched the tape and he wrote down oh, one chance two chance that's mm-hmm. what it was now they have you know algorithms and like all of these <laughs> things in the computer program embedded now i was even talking with some of the uh, analytics you know people yesterday and they were saying that not only will they tabulate everything automatically with their program, but mm-hmm. sometimes they'll spit out of inconclusive. And when you get an inconclusive, now people have to go in and watch that clip mm-hmm. to determine if it was a chance or not, or if it was a high danger chance or not, if it was a slot chance, if it was a pass across the, the, uh, the slot line. Like there's different things that maybe the computer says, this is too close to call. I need somebody else to look at it, which is incredible mm-hmm. that we're at that stage now because it's using the best of both worlds. It's yeah. using the numbers, but also using certain debatable elements that only the human eyes can determine. Yeah, it's a, a lot of information, and again, it, it might feel like overload right now, but that's why it's arguably one of the best weeks of the uh, offseason in the world of hockey because, you know, right now we've got it stacked up with the draft opening round on Wednesday night, 
rounds two through seven on Thursday, free agency a couple of days after that, and then very quickly, I mean like real quick, starting Sunday and then through the better part of next week, it's development camp in Buffalo, which will incorporate recent draft picks and, of course, hopefully some of this year's class. You never yeah. know exactly their availability to get to Buffalo and, and what depending on what part of the world they're coming from, whether they're here for the draft or not. But it's a super exciting week. and I would think that most of them that are draft eligible and think they could be drafted, yeah. they've got their next two weeks blocked off. Yeah. Because they know that most teams are going to have, uh, you know, development camp. And that, that's a big part of you get drafted and you go right into development camp. And, and those are not evaluation camp as much as it's just get to know them get to work on their skills, get to send them off the summer so they can prepare the right way. That's what the Sabres do. So I would think that I expect a few of the draftees this year, unless there's injuries or travel concerns that will be right there in Buffalo next week. Sabres live at the draft in Nashville, and we have lots to get to, so stay with us. Uh, follow along at Sabres live on social. Where are you? I'm looking at the cranes. Like yeah. There's like building constructions right the, next the door. The city is so, so booming. Um, it is... Referred to by some as uh, a mini Nashville, uh, or sorry, a mini Vegas, but yeah. it's not going to be mini for much longer. Uh, Nashville has grown significantly and a big part of that over 25 years now. Yep. As the Predators are celebrating that 25th anniversary, uh, Nashville has grown into an excellent hockey town and uh, destination as well for a lot of players, and they'll have a pronounced impact on this draft as well based on the number of picks they have in the top 100. Stay with us. Sabres have one pick right now in the first round. It is pick 13 and then uh, picks 39 and 45 early on day two. We've got lots to get to here on Sabres Live from Nashville as we continue after this. WGR Sports Radio 550 and MSG.